You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will start with Tim's origin and then make our way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hey everybody, it's Rob here. Uh, Before the episode starts, you'll hear me say it in the episode, but I kind of wanted to get it up on Front Street, as they say. Uh, We have some ways you can get a hold of us now. Uh, Everyone Loves the Drake has moved in to the current century, and we are on Twitter now. So you can uh, tweet us, and you can keep up to tabs with us on Twitter to find out when the episodes are coming up and other things that we will share uh, from time to time as uh, things move forward here. You can find us at ELTD podcast at Twitter. And also we have a proper email address now, and that is Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. So that way, instead of using my, you know, personal email and stuff like that and trying to filter out where the questions are coming from, you can now just email the podcast directly and you can tweet us, you can follow us, and I've already been posting some stuff already on Twitter. And again, you'll hear me say it in the episode, but I wanted to get it right up in front uh, just to kind of uh, put that out there for you guys. So follow us on Twitter and uh, email us and uh, we can have a discussion. So now I'll stop uh, blathering here. We'll get into the rest of the show. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes to drink, especially the cakes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. And joining me again, as always, is my good buddy, Terrence. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm doing great, and I'm glad. Uh, I don't want to talk over your intro here, but I'm glad Tim could be back on, because when we, we talked last time and we got done, I felt like it was an awesome conversation, but I felt like there was more to say about Nightfall. And then Tim, I think, sent a message and said, hey, I'll do it again. And I was like, how about next time? Because it just it felt like part one of a, a conversation. So I don't know if I just stepped on your, your intro there, but uh, I'll let you introduce <laughs> Tim again. <laughs> yeah. No, and that, that kind of segued me into uh, the next thing that you and I have kind of talked about a little bit before. Uh, when we first start, When I first started doing this podcast, I had thrown out the idea, do you want to do it with me? And you're like, no, I'll kind of let you run it and I'll come back and forth. Well, you've been on a number of these and I always kind of refer to you as a guest. I'm no longer going to refer to you as a guest. You are going to be, whenever you appear, you are the second 
co-host. You're the second host of the show. So anytime you want to interrupt me, go ahead. You have Carm Blanche now to just like, Rob, I'm just taking over. Just sit down and re- play with your Robin action figures. So, <laughs> I'll uh, be the, the Dwight to your Michael Scott, the, <laughs> the co-host. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're not the assistant. You're the assistant, too. That's yeah. what I said. <laughs> uh, so in case you uh, hadn't heard, Ed, Tim is back with us, and I, Terrence said it great. I, when we got off the call, I was thinking to myself, boy, I'd really like to ask him back on because it, it did feel like part one. Like there's, there's more to say, and I kind of wanted to pick your brain of what you thought about Jean Paul as Batman. So when we started emailing back and forth, I'm like, that's great. So Tim, it's great to have you back on again. Yeah, totally. It was a blast on the last episode, and kind of just what the Joker said at the end of the Dark Knight. It's just too much fun to podcast with you guys. So. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> we're having me back. We're destined to do this for a couple of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I would say forever, but then you're like, you're going to go back to the Bat fans, and like, man, I opened up my mouth. I'm now shackled to everyone loves the Drake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, you kind of don't want to like how the Dark Knight was into the Dark Knight, right? The Joker said that great line, but then of course the unfortunate tragedy of his death prevented all the great stuff that that one line you know yeah, yeah. got us all excited about which was a bummer uh, this is probably gonna way off topic here but <laughs> i just remember yeah. sitting in the theater hearing that it was like so cool but at the same time he's like oh but no yeah. he's not with us anymore so it was kind of like a mixed emotion type thing when you heard, when you heard that great line of dialogue from him well you brought up something i know we or I kind of gave a list of what we're going to talk about, but I just had been, you know, you read stuff on Facebook and you're like, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. I started seeing multiple posts uh, recently what Christian Bale has had to say yeah. about his his Batman that he felt like he didn't do the character justice, that he wasn't totally sold on it, and that uh, Heath Ledger kind of turned uh, – a corner in his performance of how not only he viewed uh, his his Batman portrayal and then his untimely death, uh, the course that it changed for the film. So uh, I'll just kind of throw that out to you guys real quick. What did you think about his comments or if you hadn't heard it? Um, that's one of the first times you don't hardly hear people say, well, I think I phoned in my performance or, you know, not that he phoned it in, but he wasn't totally sold on it due to what, you know, Heath Ledger brought to it. So I'll just kind of throw it out to you, Tim, since you, uh, since you started it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as I love Christian Bale's Batman performance, I have to respectfully disagree <laughs> with his uh, <laughs> statements there because I thought he did a great job in all three films. And sure, there are certain aspects of what they did with Bruce and Batman as a character that I, you know, that weren't my favorites. Mainly in Batman Begins, you know, the whole thing with him going to kill Joe Chill with the gun and all that. But that's <laughs> that had nothing to do with his performance. But I, yeah, I mean, I could see where he's come from. Maybe because he was just so blown away by what Heath Ledger did and how amazing that performance was. He maybe felt, oh, maybe I like need to step up my game or my acting abilities just aren't up to what Heath Ledger did. So I can maybe see where he's coming from with that, but I don't think he has any reason to feel that because he nailed Batman and Bruce Wayne for me as I saw those three movies. So, I mean, we'll see if Ben Affleck proves it differently. His is looking pretty awesome as well, but right now Christian Bill is, Christian Bale is still my favorite actor to play Bruce Wayne and Batman in live action. So I have to respectfully disagree with him on that. <laughs> what do you think, Terrence? Yeah, I mean, I thought Christian Bale was 
awesome. I couldn't ask for anything better. And those scenes when it was him and, and Heath Ledger acting together, like in the interrogation scene. And I mean, I could just watch that on repeat over and mm-hmm. over again and yeah. never get tired of it. Uh, but I think he's, he, he's so intense and he's so different in like all his, his different performances that he's done that he's probably one of those guys who's like never satisfied. Like is always mm-hmm. like one of those like insane athletes or coaches or, you know, who's just, you know, like, I could have done better, no matter what or how great it is. So um, I can see where he's coming from, just because that's probably his mentality. Uh, but I'm not upset with his performance in any bit whatsoever, especially when you 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 judge it compared to the George Clooney performance that we were that we were coming from. <laughs> yes, and, you know, like I, as a Batman fan, I, I I'm quite happy with Christian Bale. Oh, I was too, and I wonder. Uh, I think partly in that interview, he said he was really excited to see, uh, you know, Ben's portrayal as Batman. And I half wonder sometimes, like when you, like I know, being a drummer, I'll see somebody else play, and I go, "Man, that guy's really good." I never thought to do that thing. I wonder if part of that was in there, like seeing, like here's a new version of the character, and going, "Wow, you know, that that would have been cool to be part of that." If that kind of plays into part of it uh, too, as well, which is. Which is kind of cool to hear that, you know, the predecessor is kind of excited to see what this new interpretation is rather than getting somebody that's like, yeah, I'm not going to, kind of like I read, uh, um, oh, Dark Knight Returns. Frank Miller said, yeah, I'm not planning on watching Batman and, uh, Batman versus Superman that, you know, once he writes a character, that's the only version he thinks about and doesn't want to be influenced by or some kind of almost like George Lucas was saying at first, like, I don't know if I really want to go see Star Wars or I wouldn't have done that. I've been like, oh, come on, don't. It, I, I always hate hearing those things from people that once they leave a project, all of a sudden they're like, nope, that was garbage. I don't want anything to do with it. Not that George totally did that, but. Uh, don't mean to open a can of worms there, Tim. <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut because I can probably go on for a while about that old thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder if uh, Christian Bale actually saw Batman v Superman or is just going based on the um, just like the little previews and trailers we've seen. Because one of the things about all the Batman movies um, are, are pretty much all of them. Maybe not Batman Begins as much, but Batman is almost like second fiddle to his villain you know like the joker and batman 89 is such a big part of it and dark knight that uh it feels like batman v superman what we've seen it's kind of i know he's got to share the stage with superman and wonder woman a bit but it from what we're seeing it looks like it's going to be more just batman and not quite so much about batman's villain which i guess maybe this case is superman so i I don't know and like we said we're only seeing just a little bit so far but i wonder if maybe that had something to do with him feeling he didn't have maybe enough time or enough you know screen time to do what he wanted to do with the character yeah i and this could be what one of the first batman movies that batman is going to be in more of the movie i mean uh i've seen you know uh, kevin smith did one where they went through and listed all the screen time that batman appears on screen that i think at the average batman's on screen for 30 to 40 minutes tops in his own movie that uh you know i'm i'm hoping we see a lot. I mean, I want to see plenty of, you know, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Henry Cavill as Clark Kent, but I want to see, you know, them be the superheroes as well. Remember, like, listening to uh, <laughs> Bat fans, Tim, hearing you guys do your minute by minute 
uh, podcast <laughs> yeah. for the Dark Knight Rises. It's oh, like that makes man, me so good to know that someone is still listening to that minute by minute. So, <laughs> yeah. and I have this thing that I want to go back through all the podcasts and I want to edit all those minutes together. So that way there's one giant commentary track where it just sounds like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've been doing it for two hours, but it's really taken you, what, seven months to get to where you are? Yeah, it'll be like two years in the making. <laughs> a commentary that no one really cares about for a movie that's been, what, out seven or eight years now? <laughs> the dark yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you could do that, Robin would be much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to switch gears, uh, kind of leaving from Batman uh, versus Superman talk, although I think we're all really excited. I've been buying tons of stuff. I bought um, the little mystery minifigures that you see. I was only going to buy a few of them, and I broke down with a friend of mine, and we bought a whole case. So I spent 70 bucks on a case. Were those those uh, Walmart exclusive ones? Yeah, the little Walmart yeah. ones. Yeah, those went quick in the store by me. Now, I don't know if they'll get more, but they had some of the Funko Pops, the exclusive mm-hmm. like green Batman and Superman and some of those minis. And like within a day, the shelf was bare. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And it was kind of cool that uh, you know you can search anywhere online. I could figure out where all – I knew the, the map of where all the figures were in the case. So the buddy of mine that wanted the Superman ones, I was able to pull all those for him and – get all the you know batman related ones for me so i don't collect much of the the big funko pop ones but these little guys are really pretty cool um so i'm gonna switch gears just real quick before we get into the main part of the show is just kind of pick your guys's brain about uh, dc comics rebirth i know it doesn't really impact this show at all but being a current comic book reader um it it is something that i you know i'm going out and buying and thinking about you know well, I wonder what the books are going to be like. You know, what are all those type of things? So do you guys have any feelings about uh, the DC Comics Rebirth at all, uh, Tim, with you guys doing a current podcast with, uh, you know, Batman books? Uh, how are you guys uh, handling it, or what are, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, our last episode, that was actually our feature topic where we talked about what we were thinking of DC Rebirth and how it's going to be. And um, when I... F- when it was first announced, just the word DC Rebirth, it was kind of, it was more of a, you know, skeptical <laughs> way of thinking after, like, okay, what's this going to be another reboot? Or at the same time, I was kind of hopeful, oh, maybe they'll kind of go back to pre-New 52 continuity. But just kind of waiting in limbo, like, what this actually is going to be. So when Jeff Johns made that announcement video, it actually got me pretty excited for it because it sounded like um, they're going to be addressing some of the bigger criticism I have of the New 52, which, you know, is, it's limited history that they're embracing of DC, you know, rich catalog of stories and history that they have, which, and in particular for Batman, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves about that is, you know, cramming, so try to cram in so much history where they only say he's been around five years, you know, with all those Robins mm-hmm. he's been through, and then some of the stuff he's gone through, like uh, Nightfall, for instance, bringing his back and all that, and then going back and forth as far as saying, oh, this is in continuity. At the beginning, like, oh, year one still happened, but then later on we get zero year, which erases year one. So there's <laughs> a lot of inconsistencies there that I'm kind of hopeful with the wording Jeff Johns used in that video is that, you know, they're going to go back and embrace all this stuff. Now, kind of, kind of have to wait and see how they're going to do that. Are they going to pick and choose certain aspects of stories to bring back? Or are they going to bring back the full continuity but and yet keep it in line with the stories we got in the New 52? So really anxious to see that, but I'm excited for it. And that line he used at the very end of that video, I thought summed it up perfectly where um, he says the narrator in the 
zero issue one shot for Rebirth. Mm-hmm. It says like the first words are I love this universe, but something is missing, and I think that perfectly describes what the New Fifty Two is because you still get great stories in there. There's great characters, but there's just something missing, and I think it's just that rich history that DC had. And as you're reading it, knowing that all those past stories, like what we're <laughs> going to go through today with Nightfall, didn't happen, it kind of just puts a little damper on it. So if we're mm-hmm. able to get that feeling back into DC Rebirth, I think it's going to be a great thing. So I'm excited for it. Terrence? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing I'm excited for is that Jeff Johns is kind of taking the helm because I think when DC has been at its – the comics have been at its best is when he had a major hand in everything because I think he's just brilliant as far as his writing and his storytelling and his use of characters that are considered like C-level and D-level characters and how he can tell just like amazing stories with these guys who you never care about and then all of a sudden you just can't wait to see what happens next issue with like booster gold or the black <laughs> hand or, or yeah. you know yeah. and um i feel like he's been missing for the past few years he's been doing a lot with their you know television and movies and which has been pretty amazing what they've been able to get on tv and get out in the theaters and all that and what's coming but um you know we need him back in the comics and his green lantern rebirth um series is an amazing, amazing piece of storytelling. How he was able to take all these parts of like Hal Jordan's history and make them all make sense and and go from there. And uh, like nine out of ten other writers would have just started from scratch or just re- redid it or just you know let's just do a reboot. And he was able to like say no, this happened and this happened. And uh, hopefully they'll they'll get to kind of like what Grant Morrison did on his run with Batman, where he just said, all of it's real. All of it happened. The 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. You know, let's just let's just say it's all happened. It's all real and and draw from all of it. Um, And so um, and I I like what they're doing, how they're they're brilliant because issues number one sells the most. So they're coming out with rebirth number one and then the next month coming out with issue number one again. But um, my favorite thing which i had a feeling they'd do this i think if you go back to the bat fans when they did the new 52 i might have said this detective and action are being yes, renumbered yes. where they left off Darn. so yeah that that, that made me very happy one. yeah i i kind of wanted all the books to do that like any book that you know uh, the Batman book too i i should feel like after you do your rebirth you know number 1 reset all the books in their current um, you know, numbering counts, which I'm sure when Batman hits a milestone that they'll say, Hey, here's the, you know, 900th, you know, issue of, you know, Batman or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm at least glad that action and Batman are, or detective rather are going, um, back to their numbering. Are they going to be bi-monthly? I believe detective's so. Not detective's not. Cause I had heard Batman's going bi-monthly, but the rumor and I, was that detective wouldn't. And then, uh, uh, what's his face? Who's doing Batman right now? Uh, Snyder's uh, doing Snyder yeah. would do Detective, but he said he couldn't handle the pace of. And this is all kind of rumors, right? Uh, but it could have changed. So, so maybe it has. I'm not sure what action is though. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember. I have to go check on that because DC.com has the like listings of like the first few months of what books are coming out there, and I know one of those two I believe was bi-monthly, but not 100 yeah. percent sure. Like you remember, but I know Batman definitely is, but. I'll look it up. If I'm if I'm wrong, edit that out, Tim. <laughs> I give you permission now as second co-host to edit out all my mistakes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I third co-host? <laughs> yeah. You've been demoted twice in the same episode, Rob. <laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. Welcome to everybody else loves 
everybody else but Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as cool as all this is, um, I think I'm just going to put us in the time capsule and send us all the way back to the 90s to uh, Nightfall. I do have a little bit of... Uh, business here to uh, discuss really quick. Um, I decided to move Everybody Loves the Drake into current uh, multimedia, <laughs> as it were. Uh, everybody, everybody Loves the Drake is now on Twitter, so if anybody chooses to follow uh, us on Twitter, you can do so at ELTD Podcast. And then that is where you'll find Everyone Loves the Drake uh, podcast. And then we also have an email that you can email questions for us at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. So having a real long title for your podcast made me go, I have no idea how to edit all this <laughs> in and only have so many characters and not have the you know ID be so long. So ELTD podcast for Twitter and Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com for the email. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and welcome to the show. Okay, before we get into the radio drama, let's go over the information for these two issues brought to us by Mike's Amazing World. It's a great resource for all of your comic information needs. For Batman 498... Uh, the cover date is August 1993. The on-sale date is June 15, 1993. For the cover price, $1.25. The page count was $32. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The story, Nights in Darkness. The writer is Doug Mensch. The penciler is Jim Aparo. The inker is Richard Bucheret. The letter is Richard Starkings. The colorist is Adrian Roy. And this has been reprinted twice. Uh, the first time in Batman Nightfall Part 2, Who Rules the Night, trade paperback, published in 1993. And the more recent Batman Nightfall Volume 1, trade paperback, published in 2012. The information for Detective Comics reads as follows. The cover date is August 1993. The on-sale date is June 29, 1993 for the cover price of $1.25. The page count is 32. The title, Lightning Changes. The writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Graham Nolan. The inker is Richard Giordano. The letter is John Costanza. The colorist is Adrian Roy. And this has been reprinted three times. Uh, the first time in... Batman Nightfall Part 2, Who Rules Night, trade, pa trade Paperback 1991, Batman Under the Cowl, Trade Paperback 2010, and Batman Nightfall, Trade Paperback 2012. And without further ado, here's the BBC radio drama featuring these two issues. Come on, Robin, to the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. And as if the dark nights will edge downfall were a green light for chaos, violence is erupting citywide for the fourth weekend in succession. This is Alan Grant reporting for Good Morning Gotham. Get away with kids. Oh. You are head of Gotham Three Families. You know who I am. Uh, the guy who broke the Batman. I am Bane, and I am the new owner of Gotham. Any arguments? No, no, I'll work with you. You'll work for me, won't he, Bird? He'll lead us to every gang in Gotham City, Bane. Won't you, pal? No. Yes, yes, there's plenty for everybody. You can be in on it. In on it? I will have it all. 
sleeping peacefully or not, Alfred, this man has suffered a severe spinal trauma. He belongs in a special hospital. I'm afraid that's impossible, Dr. Kinsolving. Mr. Wayne, as you know, is the CEO of an extremely prominent business. Where his injury made public, it would be perceived as a weakness, and his affairs could well suffer. A fractured spine is far more than a perceived weakness, Alfred. Without hospital facilities, it is Mr. Wayne who will suffer a great deal. Dr. Kinsolving, I'm not arguing with you, just attempting to show you. I have had the gymnasium adjoining Master Bruce's bedroom re-equipped. You tell me this man has broken his back in a car smash and you re-equipped his gymnasium? Let me show you. Oh, my. X-ray? Hydrotherapy? Even a body scanner? Mr. Wayne is a considerably wealthy man, and he would want his doctor to have every means necessary to help him recover, no matter how long it takes. In a case like this, Alfred... You could be talking the rest of this man's life. James? Oh, I knew I'd find you up here. Knew you'd try the bat signal again. This must look foolish, Sarah, considering the way he looked. He's your friend, and you're worried about him. Friend? And I call him that when I don't know a damn thing about him? You know the important things, James. Mm. I'll be down in a moment. Hold the fort for me? As always, Commissioner. Just a word. Just a sign. That's all I ask. It is music. It is my creation. Bat signal still shining over police headquarters, Bane. It's the fourth week since you took him down. Don't they realize he's finished? Still, they cry out for him. The hero, the savior. But I broke him, and Gotham is mine. Pulse normal. Respiration good. And at long last, you're getting the sleep you need. Now that I'm your personal physician, Bruce Wayne, the only worry I have about you apart from your spinal injury that you haven't said a word since the car accident. If it was a car accident. Car. You awake? Dr. Kinsolving, Chandra, I've been awake for days. Didn't feel like opening my eyes, that's all. Why didn't you say something before? I couldn't think of anything worth saying. Where's Alfred? In the kitchen cooking supper. You've got visitors, too. Your neighbor, Jack Drake's son, Tim, and a blonde man, Jean-Paul. They've been here most evenings, taking turns to watch over you. Well, that's who it was. I only really remember when you were here, Chandra. Other than the pain, it's the first time in too long that I've felt anything. Not that the injuries stack up against the loss I've suffered. It's natural you should feel some depression, Bruce. But I hope you're not talking about a mere car. Car? You mentioned a car before. Um, the Porsche. You were in shock when I found you by the roadside, remember? With little or no memory of the accident. Yes. Yes, of course. Bruce, I promised to visit next door with Tim's father before I drove home. I'll be back to check you later. Jack Drake. His was a back injury, wasn't it? Hmm, very similar to yours. And he's doing pretty well in that wheelchair. You'll be mobile before you know it. Wheelchair. Master Bruce. I am very relieved to see you awake at last. I sent Master Timothy and Jean-Paul Valley out to the East Cliffs with a Porsche and a pair of sledgehammers. The result was very convincing. We would say you were thrown from the car and fell on the rocks. Bruce? Dr. Kinsolving told me you're awake. How are you feeling? Tim, what's happening in Gotham City? Nothing to concern yourself with now, sir. That bad? Worse. The city's going to hell with that Batman. You were thinking someone should fill in, and I agree. Should I go to Nightwing? He was your first partner. 
He knows Gotham. No, no, Dick Grayson is his own man now, with his own responsibilities. Yeah. Then I, I can only think of one other person. Yes, he's the only choice. But uh, I want it made absolutely clear that under no circumstances does he confront Bane. Now I look around this table. I see the twenty surviving Gotham City interests represented in here. Now, whoever called this powwow, make your case now, or I walk and the members of the Gothinkle Syndicate walk with me. Is this a business meeting or what? It is a business meeting, Mr. Coachman. Oh, it's For those who have yet to make my acquaintance, I am Bane. I broke the Batman, and Gotham City belongs to me. Uh, the purpose of this meeting is to give you instructions as to how you will pay me 50% of your weekly gross income as from today. What are you doing? Hey, pal. Bane, uh, this is not how we operate. <laughs> this is how I operate, Mr. Coachman. And when I'm very annoyed, I pump myself with a little venom. <laughs> And I punish the transgressor! <laughs> no. <laughs> to continue, gentlemen, this is how you will make the payments. Robin! Jean-Paul, it's time to talk. I thought it might be. Bruce can't be Batman anymore. Not with a broken back. So I need help. The whole city needs help, Robin. And I'm ready. Azrael is ready. Bruce doesn't want Azrael. Here. Saint Dumas. He chose you to wear the mantle of the bat. His costume? One of them fitted for you. But why do I dress as Batman? I am Azrael. I have a uniform. You don't understand Gotham City. The madness out there is rooted in this town's psyche. And so is the bat. You think I can be as good as him? No one's as good as him. You're wrong. I'll be better. Big words. Just don't try him out on Bane. That's quite a wheelchair, Bruce. If I'm going to spend real time sitting, I want a state-of-the-art cushion. Wait a minute. I just might have you up and about someday. It depends on trust. Your trust in my healing skills and mine in your honesty. Honesty? That was no car accident that broke your back. The injuries just didn't add up. You're hiding something from me. But that's okay. I can wait. You sure swing on a wire like that, man, Jean-Paul. And you're the right build. When we land on the police department roof, just stay on the shadows and try to keep your voice like Bruce's. I can do it, Robin. And there's the commissioner now. Commissioner? What? My God, it's... it's you? Batman? You're all right? Not quite what I was, Commissioner, but I'll get there. Your voice sounds different. A lot has changed, Commissioner, but there is one constant... Bane has got hell itself to pay. Gotta hand it to you, Bane. First you take down the Batman. Then you're getting 50 cents on the dollar from every crooked operation in Gotham. And next, the unions. Oh, Tony Bressy wants a word, Bane. I told him to make it fast. Hey, we got problems. You will if your payments are not kept up, Mr. Bressy. Hear me out. We pay you what we pay you because you told us you broke the Batman. That he wouldn't be interfering in our business interests no more. I beat him to within an inch of his life. He is crippled and helpless. So how come he's back on the streets? How come he and that boy Wonder Kid roasted my guys while they was heisting the mail last night? Impossible. He is broken. 
broken and defeated. Everything's the same, and everything's different. Batman and Robin in a tight spot, outnumbered and surrounded by hoods we caught in the middle of a break. Except the guy in the cape and cowl isn't Bruce Wayne. Filth. Slime. Stay Batman. I'll hurt you, man. Hurt me. You hand over that axe, and you hand it over now. Unless you want to spend the rest of your life on a respirator. No! That's not the way Batman does it. Lay off! Let me go, Robin. He chose me to take his place. It's more than a costume, pal. You're going way off the top here. Maybe that's what it takes. Whatever it takes? The end justifies the means? We have a city to get back, and I've got to work out a way to do it. Master Bruce, how very good to see you downstairs. The service elevator is perfect for that wheelchair. Dr. Kinsolving will be impressed. He's worked wonders, Alfred. The scars of what has happened run deep, but but I feel like something warm is happening in my life. It'll be that glass of hot milk, I expect. Seriously, Alfred. She told me to trust her if I wanted her to help me. And I want to be able to. Maybe I should share myself with her. Drop the mystery. Ah. All well and good, sir, as long as we're speaking hypothetically, sir. She's next door, visiting with Jack Drake. Maybe I'll take a turn around there in this thing. He can give me a few tips and wheelchair technique. Ah, I'll come too. Don't worry, Alfred. I won't do anything hasty. Well, Jack, I'd say you made some real progress. More mobility in your left arm, more feeling in your legs. You know, I'm telling Bruce Wayne you're a model of rapid recovery. Terrible thing, that car crash. Is he finding it as impossible as I am? It's not impossible, Jack. That's the basis of my entire practice. The gap between conventional medicine and the human will. I thought you said Tim was out tonight. He is. Good Lord! Train! Exactly as we say, and no one gets out. That's it in a nutshell, gentlemen. As it is, we're handing over 50 cents on the dollar to this bane for every street transaction. Tony Bressy's pretty sold out on Bane, Paul. I'm not so sure, Robin. He sounds more scared to me. I think Bane has gotten to Tough Tony, and I think Tough Tony will lead me to Bane. Paul, no. Bruce said you mustn't. Bruce made me Batman. That means I have to call it as I see it. You hear him out. That's all I say. Tony Bressy! Batman! Where's Bane? Batman! The monsters are getting away! Where is he? I can't tell you. He's got my kids! He's got my kids! There's no need for this. You be quiet! My kids! Your kids will be fine! First, I want Bane. Who are you people? Why the guns and masks? Get in the van, Dr. Kid Solving, or we shoot the geek in the wheelchair. Run, Chandra, don't worry about me. Oh, yes. Chandra, what's going on? Bruce, no! They're off! Another wheelchair? Shoot that one, Chance, no witnesses. No, you don't want him, you want him. Chandra, you picked a dumb time to come calling, Cribble. I'll take the gun, friend. Oh, you should never oh, underestimate the disabled. Oh, you ain't so tough when I knock you out of that chair. Come on, Taz, move it! Yeah, sure, as soon as I kill this geek. Oh! What's time, bird? Bressy's late, Trog. Maybe Bane was wrong to hand them kids back like that. Bressy's play ball all along, my friends. He's too frightened. Batman! Bane was supposed to be here tonight. I want him. You're not real. 
He broke you. He will pay for his transgressions and for eluding me tonight. Cops are on their way, Batman. We'll be out on bail before sunup. Not before you tell me what you know. We have a few minutes before the units arrive. And we're back. So I love the uh, BBC radio drama. That's really cool. Uh, for a long time, I only ever had it on cassette, and then I figured sometime, somewhere, somebody's going to put it online, and I was able to get a couple different people to send me some uh, digital copies of it. So that's really cool to those people who sent those out so I could use them on the podcast. So uh, Batman 498, uh, this takes us right, uh, picks us right back up after uh, – the trio is in the Batcave uh, standing around uh, the broken uh, Bruce. And this was a book that um, I was very eager to pick up to r- figure out, okay, he he really can't be paralyzed. They're, they're really not going to go down that route. And uh, I think I said it in the last episode that, you know, Batman's inner monologue was, you know, kind of heartbreaking to listen to as he's getting beaten by Bane. Uh, now he's just saying these things aloud for Alfred and Tim and Jean Paul to hear that you know he beat me you know I, I, I'm broken it's over it's done and just the real defeated uh, sounding Batman that really has Tim kind of in shock of like you know this is real and trying to get some reassurance from Alfred so uh, how did this issue hit you guys if you can go all the way back to when you uh, first read it. Um, did you think, okay, he, he's going to be better by the end of this? Or I think we've kind of said before we, we knew that there was going to be a new Batman, but I was still holding out hope back in, you know, 93 reading this. Like, he, he's really not going to be paralyzed. Uh, what were your thoughts, Terrence? You know, I kind of – I think I knew at this point there'd be a new Batman and it was going to be Jean-Paul. I kind of was kind of, I guess, a little – surprised Bruce was still alive, you know, and they didn't kill him and bring him back at some point. But, um, you know, like, I guess there was kind of like, well, what's, what's he going to be like? Is he going to be in a wheelchair and training the new Batman? But I was most shocked on this by the cover. And I've heard some people like say, I think they're people who don't really know Batman too well, but say like, Oh, Bane is like the incredible Hulk. And I was like, where do they get that from? But I think, I think this cover might be why I think people might have seen that cover and just thought he was a, a Hulk rip off, which he does not look like that really in the comics. But, um, I remember just being shocked with, uh, Catwoman on the cover and Catwoman <laughs> kind of with him. And I'm kind of like, holy cow, like some of these, villains or people who are kind of like in between like Catwoman, they're going to start siding with Bane and he's going to start getting like an army. So I remember being really shocked to see Catwoman sort of like cozying up to Bane there. I always thought the cover was really, I, I always thought Bane on these covers looks really cool and really menacing, but Catwoman looks like she's getting her photo taken of like, okay, I got to get my picture taken with this guy here. Uh, (laughs) Just She looks really uncomfortable. And I guess that's, par for the course here um but i never really cared for how as beautiful as i think kelly jones's covers are i don't particularly like uh catwoman in this uh on the cover at all i don't think she there's something off about it. i think it's her hair and just the way her head uh, is drawn on it uh, what were your thoughts tim yeah so during this time like back in when i was first getting those issues i remember these two in particular um cause like i said before i kind of went all over the place in collecting nightfall i started with um part 11 with the breaking of the bat and kind of worked my way forward and backwards at the same time so i remember 
uh, this issue, part 15, where it was like the one, the last one that I needed to get where I was finally caught up. And then with part 17 or part 16, that was where I was like, okay, I finally have to wait now after I read this issue to see what's <laughs> coming next. Cause before I just, you know, they would have read them all through. So that's what I remember back then with this one, like being the last one I had to collect, which was kind of cool. I guess I'm caught up now. I just have to wait for the next one. But, um, it was kind of good to go back and read these, um, as I was preparing to do the podcast because, Unlike the last two issues we covered on the last episode, I always go back and read those from time to time. But these ones right here, I haven't read in these ages, maybe since the first time I read them. But it was really cool to go back and get to read the stories of what happened afterwards when uh, Bat- Bane broke Batman's back. And like you said, Rob, it's you know, really strange and you don't want to see Bruce in this position as uh, we alluded to in the last episode, but then you, it really hits home here because as you said, he's saying all, all this stuff out loud. But what I kind of liked about it was as typical Batman would do, he doesn't care about his broken body or any of his injuries. He's more upset that, you know, Bane beat him and Alfred even drives home the point to Tim. Like this is the first time Batman actually lost the battle. And he compares it to Jason where he goes, that was out of his control. This is different where Batman faced this failure. It was all on him, and like he doesn't know how to deal with it. So just the emotional toll it took was even more damaging than the physical toll, and how Bruce is more concerned about Gotham being Bane's and not his anymore. And, you know, seeing Tim's reaction, that it was more hurtful to him than seeing, you know, Bruce broken. This hearing him, like, having that attitude of giving up and, you know, that self-doubt of maybe never, you know, getting this title you know being the protector of gotham back so all that stuff was really good to read again and i did like to how it went back and forth where you got this conversation between bruce alfred and tim and then you see bane and his gang like wiping out all those rival gangs and i just like how it went back and forth between those two uh segments it kind of reminds you, you know, of a movie sequence where it's like a montage of you getting like little flashes of the mob like taking out other mobsters but then like you hear voices over like Bruce and Alfred talking through that. So it was kind of a cool way that this uh, story was laid out in the first few pages. So it was kind of good to go back and read through this again because I forgot how good it was. And I think there's a cool parallel there too. Like you said, if this was like a, a movie and it's going back and forth, you have a bat team that is normally very uh, precise and calculated in all their moves and what they're doing. They're very frantic and trying to figure out what they're going to do for Bruce, how they're going to do it, how they're going to protect Gotham. And then you have Bane on the flip side. He is very calculating and is systematically taking down all these gangs and then doing it very efficiently. And Bane is just growing more and more in control of Gotham City while the police force, the last time they saw Batman, he was bloodied and broken in the middle of the street. And uh, Bane is clearly in control, and the team is just, the Bat team is trying to figure out what their next step is. And I like how Alfred has to rein in Tim and uh, almost has to shake him at one point, tell him, like, you got to pull yourself together. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I really liked that, that it, Tim Tim needs that wake-up call, like, Batman's gone. We, you've got to stop talking in in the past of like you know, what are we gonna do? You know, the city and you know, I haven't seen him hurt like this. You have to own it. It it is what it is, and we have to move forward. And also, Alfred is outlining like we have to protect Bruce here. We have to protect his identity. We have to protect the image of Batman. But first and foremost, we have to get Bruce healthy as much as we can, or there's not going to be any discussion left to had. Um, 
and I like how Alfred is as confused as the team is. Alfred is like, okay, he has all the resources. We can't send him to a hospital, but uh, Tim has the idea. We'll bring in Chandra Consolving, and you know Bruce has all these uh, resources at hand, so he can at least have all the care that he would normally have, and probably better to be. Um, quite honest, must be nice to be uh, a wealthy billionaire. I, I said this once before, I think to you, Terrence, when we were going. Through. <laughs> Except if Bane breaks your back and you're like your cave paralyzed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've said that I really like Jim Aparo as a penciler, and I've always enjoyed it. But uh, if you turn to page eight, all of a sudden the blonde-haired Jean-Paul Valley is Bruce Wayne. Um, there's really no distinction. He was this scrawny, skinny kid with a round face, stringy hair, and he cuts his hair. And Aparo draws him exactly like uh, Bruce Wayne. If you color that hair, that's the way he draws uh, Bruce Wayne. Did that bother you guys at all, or am I just being real nitpicky? On otherwise, really great artist for DC, but that always bothered me. I think Terrence and I, you talked about it, that certain people have, okay, this is the way I draw my heads, and all the heads are exactly the same. Yeah, it bothered me, um, not so much there, because the blonde hair, it bothers me when he puts on the Batman suit, that he looks yeah. exactly like Bruce um, in the Batman suit. I, I, there was no difference or change whatsoever, um, especially those last few pages, like on page 21. Uh, I mean, that face of Batman. Um, I did, though, like, not to uh, take you off, I, I really no. like how Aparo drew Bruce Wayne in this issue, because it's it's kind of a challenge, like make him look like really strong and muscular, but yet at the same time weak and, you know, paralyzed and in pain. And I thought like with the way he does the eyes and some of the like extra lines on the face, um, he really showed a guy who looked like weary, you know, sick, beat down. But yet when you look at his like arms and stuff, he's still got his muscle tone. Um, so overall, I, I, the the headband on Alfred is a kind of a, a an interesting <laughs> Karate Kid esque. Um, I know he was supposed. To, I think he had an injury or something. Yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, the the John Paul. I, I get where you're coming from. Now, what'd you think about that, Tim? You know what? I never actually bothered me. I mean, especially as a kid, I didn't really pick up on that. But I definitely see where you're coming from now. And you know what it reminds me of is like how you said it almost looks exactly like Bruce Wayne. It just reminds me, you know, of that very first uh, design that Bob Kane did for Batman before Bill <laughs> yeah. Finger came and made it cool, yeah. <laughs> where it's the blonde-haired guy with the <laughs> bat wings and the red suit. And I kind of wonder if maybe if this was done purposely since he is, you know, becoming Batman in this issue, if they made a more of a conscious effort to make him look like uh, more of a Bruce Wayne. So it's kind of indistinguishable when he's in the cow and like he meets Commissioner Gordon and other thugs, they wouldn't be able to tell. So. I, don't know, I guess it didn't really bother me too much, but I definitely see where you're coming from now that you brought it up. <laughs> but uh, since we're on the, poly- the subject of John Paul Valley, I just remember as a kid reading all the issues before this, how you know he was just a cool side character. He didn't, uh, you know, do anything that make you dislike him. And I, that, that time, I didn't read like uh, the Sword of Azrael and all those stories that were became part of the, the Bat Team. So this was kind of my first exposure to him. But in this issue already, you get that hint of, you know, I don't know about this guy, like, as Batman. He's already rubbing me the wrong way, especially when uh, Tim gives him the cape and cow. And, like, he was saying, 
he asked him, uh, you think I'll be as good as Bruce? And he's all, no, no one will be. And he goes, you're wrong. I'll be better. And he has that smirk on his face. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> like, there's something about him that's kind of, you know, rubbing me the wrong way. So it was cool. They kind of laid those early hints even before he put on the suit, which made you, you know, all goes <laughs> really crazy afterwards. And even the next issue, and of course, later down the line. So it was cool that they planted that seed in there so early on. Uh, something I didn't realize in the 20 years that I've had this book, um, I wasn't much for, you know, reading the ads and, you know, different things in the book. I was always more focused on the story. On page five is our first shot of the Jean-Paul Valley costume uh, in the ad for, you know, Batman, X-Men, uh, Superman, where you can buy all these books, right? At the very top, it says, don't mm-hmm. miss another. I have, I never noticed that in the mm. t- 20 years that I've had this book. And, you know, we see this slow... You know, where he starts putting on the gauntlets later on and then, you know, starts, you know, doing all the blades and stuff before we arrive at this costume. Our first glimpse is in this book and the new costume doesn't happen until um, long after Batman 500, like 507, 508 is when he finally gets in that costume. So I was really surprised. I never noticed that. Did you guys ever see that image before uh, this book came out or yeah. after? Rather. Yeah, and I think we had talked about it. I had seen the, the Asbats costume. I didn't know if it was John Paul or Bruce, um, but I had seen it, I think, even before Nightfall had started. Oh, it yeah. had been in Wizard Magazine, and it had been in a few places. Um, and so a part of me thought like that might have been Bruce with some kind of um, assistance for his bad uh, or his broken back. Um, but um, in the Fat Man on Batman podcast, I know Joe Quesada goes into a whole thing about how he had drawn it for Wizard and it ended up getting him fired because he thought Wizard would just have it in shadow, which I really didn't believe <laughs> Quesada right. in that interview. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is your spin on it. There's a little more to this. Um, I, I really don't think they would have just fired him for that. Uh, but um, but yeah, I had definitely was well aware of where they were going with it, which I think is why when they were kind of doing it little by little instead of just one big reveal, I kind of liked that it was a little more organic than just, all right, give me that. I'll be back in a minute. Oh, here, I'm, I'm this new guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tim, had, I mean, we, I know we talked about before, but had, had you seen it prior uh, to it coming out? Yeah, I definitely did, but I don't exactly remember where. I think it probably was Wizard Magazine because I was – getting collecting those uh, uh, issues like crazy during the same time also so i'm sure it had to be something there but yeah it was something where it wasn't like a huge shock when we finally saw the suit and the costume for the first time i mean i know i was picking up wizard but i don't know if i it depended on whether you know i went to the grocery store with my mother or not or whether i remembered when i was picking up comics at the time, like, oh, I want to pick up a wizard too. So I don't know if I just missed that particular month that came out, but that was seeing the reveal. Of the costume was only in the you know print ads or, or posters, like leading up or like the week of that coming out or you know that month or whatever. So it was basically that issue, but I hadn't seen it you know long before this, and here it was in my hands the whole entire time. Um, when they said they were going to go get a Chandra Consolving. Um, I thought it was a nice touch where they, uh, Alfred and Tim, have to figure out, okay, how are we going to explain these injuries? Okay, it's got to be a car wreck, and they beat the car up and launch it off the cliff. And Shonda's uh, uh, no dummy and knows that there's something fishy going on, and then they're not wanting to tell um, everything precisely to um, 
to her and she kind of calls him out on a little bit and gives a little line of like, Oh, you're such a mystery to me, Bruce. And that's it. The fact that you're clinging to this mystery proves you haven't given up. So um, I thought that was really kind of cool up until this point. I was still looking at Chandra as being kind of a throwaway character. I mean, she kind of is, but I felt like at this point she really starts serving more of a purpose in the story rather than, oh, that's just the Doctor. You start to see the lines like, okay, we had to put this character in here. And on page 14, I was forever looking at the X-ray of his back, trying to figure out, <laughs> like, like where where is it broken? You know, what's – and it looks like it's perfectly fine. I'm like, I can't see any broken ribs. Or I, I don't yeah. see the spinal column shattered. So it's like, apparently, like, is he healed? <laughs> you know, I didn't know <laughs> what to make of that is, you know – it, granted, I'm a senior in high school, and I was still like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Even going to the doctor now, they'll show you something. I'm like, I have no idea what you're showing me. <laughs> if I'll only they knew. Your... Yeah, if only they knew all they had to do was punch him really hard in the back. Uh, then <laughs> <laughs> they could have saved all this. Yeah. Um, and um, I. Another... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say another. Uh, I think important part of this story or this issue uh, is maybe my one little nitpick about it is you know the big moment where. Tim goes to Bruce, you know, saying, you know, things are real bad out there. We need a Batman. And this is finally to decide to give it to Jean-Paul Valley. But um, I do like how Tim's first suggestion was that, okay, should I go get Nightwing? But then Bruce, you know, quickly says, no, he's his own man with his own responsibilities. And I, I mean, granted, at this time, I wasn't reading what was going on with Nightwing or anything about Dick Grayson. But I always felt, and still to this day, that he is the only person who should ever take on the mantle of the bat. And for Bruce to just kind of, you know, dismiss it so quickly and just quit. So, uh, go to Jean, pa- Jean Paul Valley, like real immediate, like he was his first choice almost was still something that doesn't sit well with me. He should have, I thought, you know, first thought of Dick or maybe at least, you know, contemplate about it more instead of no Dick's out and Jean Paul Valley is the only choice for this. So I don't know if you guys felt that way, but that's something that st- stood out to me again as I reread it. So what did you guys think about that? Terrence, I'll yeah, let you go first. Yeah, I agree. And that's why one of my favorite uh, story arcs is um, after Nightfall when they did the prodigal storyline and, and Dick did take over the mantle of Batman. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Now I know it was uh, something that the editors of Teen Titans or yeah. Titans at the time wouldn't let them use Dick Grayson. And, and DC's always been sort of that like there's like little pockets of books and characters. And, and um, but yeah, definitely they should have had a I can understand them not being able to use Dick Grayson because of the editorial stuff. And you can't really write that like you can't say, no, the editors won't let us use it. <laughs> but they might have come up with something a little better, like, I can't reach him, he must be on Titan's business, or, you know, yeah. all the Titans are in outer space right now, or yeah. they left Earth, or or something that made Dick a little bit harder to reach, and so we've got to go to plan B. Yeah, that just, that never set well with me either, like, you know, now knowing the history behind where they wouldn't let it, just a, a simple dialogue, like, he's off planet, There's there's no way we can reach him, he's got whatever crisis in space is going on or he thinks he's in love with Donna Troy or Donna Troy. And he thinks he's in love with, you know, Corey. So he, yeah. his hands are full. So it just seemed real dismissive. Um, as much as they're trying to keep their editorial stuff together, I agree with you, Terrence, a little bit of line for the fans to know he's doing something in teen Titans. Like that might've prompted me going, well, what is so important that he can't, you know, be Batman right now. I might've gone to the Titans book and went, Oh, Okay. 
And that might have got me hooked into reading Titans instead of, you know, many years later. Um, like you said, Tim, this the smirk that Jean-Paul has on his face, I felt the same way reading it uh, earlier today as I did 20 years ago. Like, I want to snap or smack the smirk off his face yeah. where he's like, you're wrong. I'll be better. And hearing Tim go, big words, just don't use them out on Bane, knowing that he's going to fully go up against Bane and he's not going to listen uh, to Tim or especially, you know, Bruce at all. Uh, the weird thing in this particular issue before we wrap this one up is Catwoman. Uh, she's on the front cover, so I thought, oh, this is going to be a Catwoman kind of focused issue. I wonder what she's doing. Uh, she's, other than Bane getting all the other, you know, mobsters and gangs under his control that, like we, like, I think it was you that was saying it, uh, Tim, that he's going to, you know, gather everybody, you know, up and oh, I think it was maybe Terrence, whoever said it, I can't remember <laughs> that you know, he's going to start gathering up, you know, his army. Thought, oh, he's going to add Catwoman uh, into this, and it's basically just uh, go ahead and steal stuff like you're normally going to, but you're going to get me a cut of it, and you know, you're going to work for me. And she's like, yeah, I'll work with you, not for you. Um, and who is the guy here, um, Leopold? I was trying to look him up. Uh, does it, do you guys know the Leopold character uh, beyond this story at all? Uh, his name does not sound familiar. Even when I was rereading it again, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, he's like Catwoman's sidekick. <laughs> was it a few stories or something? Like, what's his, what's he all about? But I gotta look it up. I think he might have been in the Catwoman series, the one that Jim Ballant was doing. I don't know if that yeah. was out yet or not. He might have been something in there, but no, he was. I don't think he ever amounted to much. Yeah, I don't think the Catwoman series didn't start until after. Until right? after, yeah. Because I think Robin makes an appearance shortly after that series starts up. Like Robin's in like issue two or something like that. And you know, Robin won't start for a little bit while later. Um, the last few uh, pages here is uh, kind of the moment of wondering, you know, what's what's a new Batman going to look like and like. Tim said it looks exactly the same as the old Batman, but it's a Batman with a little bit more of an attitude and uh, meeting Commissioner Gordon for the first time and kind of like the line of like, oh, oh, you're here. You're all right. He's like, you know, not quite what I was, Commissioner, but I'll get there. So and then uh, the image that I, I really liked that was kind of sad to look at at the same time is the last page with Bruce laying in the bed. I always loved as a kid how the shadow of Bruce Wayne was always the shadow of the bat that yeah. you know, the lights kind of coming in and seeing the bat signal there. I've got a, like a read along book with the tape. And when Bruce Wayne walks into a study, the shadow of Batman's behind him. I always thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, I remember closing this book and going, wow, I'm, I'm reading a Batman book and Bruce Wayne is not Batman. It's this other guy. And Bruce Wayne is in the bed you know, and, and the wheelchair is sitting right there. So by closing that, I was this issue. I was like, wow, this is he's going to be paralyzed. He's going to be like Oracle. So I thought that had me going. I wonder if she's going to give him some tips on, you know, you know, things that he can do. So that's kind of where mine went. My mind went after uh, I finished reading this issue, you know, way back then. Uh, any uh, closing thoughts on this uh, particular issue before we move into our next one, guys? Uh, Terrence? Yeah, just since this is Tim, everybody loves the Drake. I always was touched by, let me figure out what page it is here. Sorry, uh, page four. There's one panel of Tim crying. And sometimes when you see people crying in comics or something, you kind of go, oh, yeah. But this one, I, I was really always kind of like, 
wow, that's, you know, like, I don't even know how to describe it, which is bad on a podcast where you have these <laughs> words, but it kind of hit me like as a kid and, and you know, or, or and reading it now, like, wow, like this, you know, it, it was just like another level of like seriousness to the book that I, I thought was really good. And I don't think a lot of um, uh, like maybe artists w- or writers would be willing to take that risk with one of their characters and have them crying in a comic book. You know, everyone's supposed to be, you know, Wolverine and take all this pain and be tough. And to show that vulnerability, that's the word I was looking for in Tim, but not dwell on it and have, you know, 13 pages of him, cr- you know, going on. And he doesn't even say anything. He just kind of says, yes, sir. I-, I thought I was always like really moved by that one little panel there. I, that always uh, affected me in the same way. And it also, had that thought go into my mind that I, I wondered what Tim was thinking, like, you know, if Batman's gone, does that mean I'm gone too? Or how am I going to continue w- without Bruce? You know, there's so much more that he could have shown me, and now he's torn between showing this new guy how to be Batman, where does his role fit in? And we'll get into more of that in uh, the next book, but I want to hear your thoughts on this, uh, Tim. Yeah, I totally agree with what you guys were saying, and I just thought overall... This issue is a great one to follow up from what uh, it left off in uh, the previous uh, part 12 of Nightfall. And I know we didn't talk about the showcase uh, stories of part <laughs> 13 and 14. I thought it was more of a flashback thing. But, yeah, just showing how bad the situation is for everybody and how everyone's dealing with it. Alfred, Tim, Bruce, and even uh, Bane, <laughs> he, he was the victor in that battle and how he's going about dealing with the aftermath and how he's running the show now. So I thought this issue perfectly showed all that, those emotions the characters were facing and then how bad Gotham is getting and how something needed to be done. So it was just a really good overall well-paced issue too of getting all the everyone's stories uh, out there and what the stakes are and why we need a Batman right now. So and also like to think too that moment with Catwoman because we don't see it in The Dark Knight Rises, but I kind of picture it to be something similar to something like this where Bane drags her in there and saying, you know, if you want to live, you got to bring Batman to us type mm-hmm. of thing. And she has that like calm and cool attitude towards it. So I'd like to picture it with something similar to that. So um, yeah, but overall a really cool issue. You know, like going back and rereading it again just made me appreciate it more to how good of a follow up it was to those you know iconic issues of Nightfall where Bane actually does break Batman's back. All right, well, this will propel us to our final issue for today, uh, Detective Comics 665, and one of the most disturbing <laughs> covers <laughs> I've seen in a very long... I remember picking this up off of the rack at the comic book shop and going, oh, Batman's beating somebody with a stick with nails in it, and then seeing the marks where he's jab this guy in the face i'm like what in the world is going on in this and he's issue laughing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tee, that hurts doesn't it it's got these real long pointy evil bat ears and tim's got this look of like i think i'm gonna be sick <laughs> so this is like showing the early stages of kind of like maybe where you know this jean paul batman's gonna go so uh kelly jones you did a really good job of me buying this book and then quickly turning the cover of going, please don't let me read that in here. Please don't let me see that in here. It's funny you brought up the cover because when I first got it, I was about 10 years old at this time. My parents were a little concerned about this issue. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if you should be reading this one. So they're kind of flipped through it. But I I still got it and still read it. So, but like, like you said, it was definitely a cover that takes you back. Okay. Like what's this about? Yeah. We've said so 
many times before, like, you know, the cover is, sometimes the cover is just a cover, so you grab a book. And this was one I think I actually read mostly in the comic shop, just flipping through, trying to find out, like, what, where's the spot where he beats this guy with, you know, the nails in the woods? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, my mom would say stuff like, you know, that's just giving somebody an idea for something later. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, <laughs> I never thought about grabbing a stick and putting nails through it. Could I do that? You know? <laughs> Like and you just I, brought it to my attention, Mom. I didn't have the idea until you told me. Yeah, <laughs> I also think those are the longest bat ears I've ever seen in artwork. Oh yeah, that's not a a cowl that you would wear in the Batmobile. <laughs> that would crush your ears. Um, we'd have probably horrible drag on the bat cycle or the tumbler or whatever. But yeah, those ears go almost all the way up to the uh, middle section of the M, and almost as long as his. I mean, his uh, spikes on his gauntlet are, are about the normal size of his ears. So, yeah, those are some long spikes there. <laughs> There's a few covers where his ears are real long. I remember this one and then even early on in Part 7 with uh, Poison Ivy, that cover where he's where she has him like tied up and he's just like with his arms behind his back. And his ears are, I remember, really long in that one. That stood out. And even, I think, Part 5, too, where the Joker and Scarecrow are on the cover. So quite oh, yeah. a few issues of Nightfall <laughs> where his ears are like that. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we'll get into past the scary cover here. Uh, this one is drawn <laughs> by Graham Nolan, and I think I say it every time Graham Nolan appears on here uh, on the podcast. I'm like, I like Graham Nolan. I always forget that he's an artist that I really like until I see his work. I don't mean to make him sound like he's forgettable, but his pencil lines are just really beautiful in this whole book. And I think the coloring in this, and who does uh, the coloring? Uh, Adrian Roy usually does the colorist. So um, I think sometimes the, the pencil lines really help enhance the coloring. And I, I think it's just a, a beautiful issue to look at, you know, all these years later and just the uh, lines that uh, Nolan uh, uses, I think, are just really, really good. And, you know, it's funny on that first page, I, I didn't even notice it till now. The one guy's wearing an X hat and there was like a it must have been a nine month or, or year and a half period where Malcolm X, the movie came out and you saw those X hats yeah. everywhere. That's right. That's and then right. they just kind of came and went just as fast. But it's funny how like this comic preserved that like little moment of history there. <laughs> Yeah, I I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine that wanted one of those hats really bad, and his dad was like, no, <laughs> no, you are not. He's like, it's cool. He's like, you have no idea what it means, therefore you're not getting it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people had no idea what it meant, Yeah, but it, it was popular for about a year. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so we're getting a, our first real look at a, a Batman that DC sent out for or to – to do a Batman that is a very brutal and different Batman. And these are some of the early uh, stages at it. And what I really like about this issue too, is that this is a really cool, like monologue issue of the thoughts that Tim has uh, throughout this almost whole entire issue of him working with this Batman and how unsettling this Batman is. And that, how is he possibly going to control this Batman? He can only, you know, reinforce the things that Bruce has told Tim to tell Jean-Paul, like, you know, basically go after the low-level thugs, just try and keep Gotham in check, don't go after Bane, where Jean-Paul is hell-bent on getting to Bane himself and is going to go through every means possible, uh, even to the point of while they're having their fight here in these first few pages of uh, beating the guy with the uh, mallet sledgehammer 
and then wanting to take the sledgehammer to the guy himself, and Tim almost has this look of like, holy crap, if I don't get over there and stop this guy, he's going to beat this guy into oblivion with this uh, mallet, which is always uh, an interesting, you know, uh, I think juxtaposition, I think is the word I want to use, of having a, a Robin hold Batman back that's like, uh, I think you're biting off a little bit more than you can chew. But uh, John Paul's throwing that back at Tim like, you know what? You, I'm not the, the, the mentor anymore. He chose me. I'm Batman. You know, I don't need you. You can stay behind, but I'm going to go on. And, and, and Tim's basically just reluctant, not reluctantly, but he feels like he has to go after uh, Jean-Paul to hold him down. Uh, what do you guys think of the early interactions between this Batman and this Robin? You think uh, Tim is in over his head at this point of like, he should just, should he run back to the cave and tell Bruce, we got a bigger problem. You picked the wrong guy. Can I go to space and go get Dick? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Terrence? Yeah, you know, I love the way this issue starts out right in mid-battle and with Tim's thoughts. And it's definitely a great storytelling device to have Tim be the one to say like, this guy's out of control because, um, you know, in the, in the static artwork, it, you know, a punch to the face looks like a punch to the face. You know, it's hard to say this is any more brutal than the, you know, thousands of Batman comics we've read before, but having Tim kind of say, Oh my gosh, this guy's going too far and going over the line and he's not the real Batman. Uh, and then their dialogue, um, you know, having John Paul being able to have this like insane rant and dialogue to Tim um, really, you know, emphasizes that and lets the reader know that. And I, I, I definitely, when I was reading it, had the idea of like, is Tim going to be enough to control this guy or is, you know, Tim going to be, you know, kicked out of the cave or, you know, worse is, you know, John Paul going to, you know, turn on Tim. So, yeah, it's definitely a pretty awesome storytelling device. Tim? Yeah, when I was reading this again, it, like I always do, I always go back to some Batman the Animated Series story. So this one reminded <laughs> me of the episode Never Fear. It's part of the new Batman Adventures where Scarecrow gasses Batman mm-hmm. to take away his fear, and he has no fear of killing. And Tim in that episode, too, kind of had to do the same thing that he's doing here, rail him back and try to stop him from going too far. And it re- reminded me of that. And, of course, reading this issue first time before that episode – even aired. I didn't get that parallel, but I did like how there were some similarities between that. And there's something that they stayed true to Tim's character from this issue, you know, that hard task of like the young kid trying to rein in uh, a Batman, even though it's not Bruce, but it's kind of that same situation, which I thought was cool. And just the way that John Paul Valley acts as Batman and going back to that episode of Batman, the animated series, Bruce, while he'd like had no fear of killing people, he was like calm and collected, still a cool Batman where he would still show fear, but he didn't act insane like John Paul Valley's here. Just his facial expressions and some of the words that he would use and just and yell at the criminals in there. You could just tell that this guy was off his rocker a little bit. And I like what the point that you made, Rob, where just right off the bat, see, you kind of want to assume that this is the first time they're out together because it takes place right after that last issue where they go to Gordon. And I would think, too, that Tim would have done something like he said where go back to bruce and say you know we made a mistake here (laughs) we better like nip this thing in the bud before it goes way too out of hand and get jean paul valley jean paul valley out of there but at the same time what really could they do if robin can't stop him bruce is in no condition to do that but like you said nightwing's just a phone call away (laughs) and i think (laughs) something this big and drastic no matter 
he has his own responsibilities and his own man now, he would drop him to take care of the situation. So, yeah, yeah. it kind of makes – I did have that feeling after reading this, like, they should have tried to take care of this right away because he's clearly unstable here. And even how unsettling Tim is, uh, it says uh, here on page 11, so I'm beginning to feel uh, – useless around here and he says you know there's a chill in the air that he said he feels more alone with this batman than he does when he's out being solo and i remember thinking at this point wow you should just leave this batman and go do your own thing and little do we know that's (laughs) going to happen here maybe somebody should do a podcast about that but yeah that's another thought for later (laughs) (laughs) we uh, uh we get to see uh jack drake and uh Chandra can solving uh, together where she's doing. It's really convenient that both of her patients are a manner away. Bruce figures, ah, I'm just going to stroll over there and pay a visit. Um, it's kind of, you know, we'll find out a little bit later, but I thought here, like, uh, Bruce has the thought of when he's rolling over to uh, Chandra's or Jack Drake's uh, place and sees, you know, the guys that are coming in there, he's thinking, oh, great, of course, they put together. He put together that I'm Batman, so he knows that Robin is Tim Drake, and he's going to go after there. What we don't realize in this part, that these two stories are not connected. It's Chandra's thing that she has going on that we'll find out much later. So I bought into it right away of thinking, oh, crap, you know, is Bane going to go in and kill you know jack drake and kill chandra and now tim's got some suffering to do so did you guys think that that was going to go on or did you think this was going to go uh totally unrelated terrence i don't really remember i i yeah you know i from when i was reading it i i i don't really remember. I, th- I thought it was going to be related. I don't know if I thought she was going to get killed, but I definitely thought there was going to be some kind of um, Bane um, connection here. And I did like, I really did like Bruce taking out the guy in the wheelchair. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that was like the first time where I was like, you know what, he, he's going to be back in some way, some shape. It's not like, um, you know, in the Golden Age to the Silver Age where, you know, you never heard of these Golden Age characters again until somebody brought him back, you know, decades later with Justice Society. Like, he's he's got a role to play. Uh, Tim? Yeah, I totally thought they were connected at first where it was being, you know, just sticking it to Bruce again <laughs> and even hurting his partners and just breaking them even more. So, yeah, but like you said, Terrence, it was just cool to see. Even though, you know, his back's broken, he's in a wheelchair, Bruce can still handle himself. For the most part, of course, he gets overwhelmed when there is more uh, guys there to take him out. But it was still kind of cool to see him in action and still, you know, take guys out and show he's not completely helpless as all those criminals thought. Just saying, hey, it's just a cripple. We can take care of him. But he took a few of them out, and it was cool to see. And, again, I'm going to go to an animated series parallel. But this time it's Batman Beyond, where I got that same feeling where Bruce is an old man. You don't think he can fight in that first episode. Those jokers go up against him, but yet – he kicks all their butts and shows that he could still, you know, even as an old man, still fight. And I just love that that's always in Bruce, no matter the situation is, whether he's old or he's in a wheelchair, he still knows how to handle himself and take care of himself. And just those years of training, how this never goes away despite his situation. But yet, unfortunately, it does have limits, and it was did suck to see him, you know, fail in saving uh, Chandra and Jack Drake and the, them getting away. And just... I don't know, it makes you sad reading, like, in the inner monologue that he has, where he goes, like, like what's the use? I failed. Like, and he even brings back Jason again. I always like how, throughout the course of Nightfall, Jason was kind of something that ran through 
where he always remembers that how that just sticks with him as his greatest failure. And whenever another big failure happens, Jason comes right back. So it's just more stuff that piles onto him, which is going to make this even more harder to deal with. So I thought that was a nice touch. And it was really, even more so, just felt bad for Riz in the situation that he's in when you see him lying on the floor there in the yard. So, yeah, it was kind of cool and tough to read at the same time when you go through that whole sequence. I kind of half laughed a little bit that, you know, as Bruce is in Wayne Manor and he's rolling past Alfred, like, oh, I'm going to let him sleep. I'm like, even in a wheelchair, he can still get out undetected. And Alfred's probably like, after years of, you know, Master Bruce being able to sneak out me not know, he's in a, he's paralyzed, he's laying in bed, I can finally get a nap. Nope. Bruce found a way to get out, (laughs) roll right past you, probably in a rickety wheelchair, and then, you know, Alfred comes to his rescue. But uh, like the last book kind of had a parallel between, you know, Bane and the Bat team, that's kind of happening here between Tim and Bruce, both of them being overwhelmed, where Bruce wants to be able to try and save his friend uh, Chandra and Tim's dad, where Tim is trying to keep his head above water with this Batman, and even to the point where uh, Jean-Paul wants to go leave, and he's going to go after something else and says, you know, Robin, I'm going to go uh, through and get you know Tough Tony. Can you hand yourself here? And he's like, uh, no, actually no. you know, And he's having to really fight. Bruce would never have left uh, Tim kind of defenseless like that, where Jean-Paul is just taken off of like, well, you're in a costume. You should be able to hand yourself. I'm going to go. Uh, Batman. I remember going. Batman never would have left Robin alone uh, to fight like that, being totally outgunned. But he's just so hell bent on getting a tough Tony Brassy here. <laughs> that uh, I love the name when I read that tough Tony yeah. Brassy. I'm kind of using the BBC radio audio drama there. I like the way they say it in that. But uh, you know, finding out that. This is kind of like a, something that I think Bruce would do here where he's holding the guy you know, over the railing, would scare the guy to death to give the information and have, you know, okay, Bruce really isn't going to throw the guy off the balcony. I think this Jean-Paul would have had no problem going, oh, if you're not going to tell me, I'm just going to toss you. Yeah. He doesn't do that here, but you kind of get the impression he was about two seconds away from doing it till Robin probably – I got the impression here if this was a live action – that he was going to have held him over, and then Robin walks in the room and is like, boy, you're so lucky, because I totally would have tossed you. So I remember looking at this going, wow. And then to see him leap off the railing with him anyway, of like, okay, this is a Batman that is going to kick ass and take names and has no problem doing it. At some point, I was like, this might be kind of a cool Batman to see, but there was something unsettling there at the same time, knowing it's not Batman and just seeing a Tim uh, Drake that is just totally like he's now out of his element. Everything that Bruce could have uh, prepared him for, this is something that Bruce had no idea could possibly happen as Robin working with a Batman that is unhinged. So uh, I thought this was a really, really good issue and uh, really had me going in just a few lines of dialogue from Tim there of going, I could see how a Robin solo series would work. And I could see where the rift would be of that. Tim would have to go out on his own because this Batman no longer wants him around. We're a little bit from getting there, but I thought this was really cool. Uh, final thoughts for this issue guys. Uh, what do you think Terrence? Yeah. You know, to touch on something that Tim said, um, 
where he liked how, you know, it was kind of a common theme of Jason and, and how like that was his failure and he keep, keeps bringing up. Um, I think it's it's kind of almost like what we talked about at the start of the show with Christian Bale, like looking back at his acting as Batman. And, oh, I failed. Oh, I didn't nail it. I could have done better because Bruce could be laying in bed. If it was me, I'd be like, you know what? I did my part. I saved this city like how many times? All of you in Gotham would be dead. You would have been <laughs> killed by Scarecrow and if not Scarecrow Joker and if not Joker Riddler and if not a hundred <laughs> other different people, if it wasn't for me, all right, I'm done. I, I did good, you know, but instead it's just like, the you know, dwelling on like I failed. I failed Gotham. I failed Jason. I failed, you know, and, and that's probably – kind of that same mentality that you know christian bale has with looking back at batman of like oh i could have done this better or i could have done it you know um so I, I found that kind of interesting and I, I to me i like this issue because it does have that uh, the um scene over the the stadium is very reminiscent to the animated series and i'm blanking on the name but tim would know it in a second where the scarecrow is causing yeah. uh the um athletes to be afraid so he can yeah. bet on the games um fear of victory fear yeah. of victory that's it i knew it had an awesome name too and i couldn't remember it um i, lo- I love that episode and this kind of had that feel of um the being over Gotham, you know, the only thing I'm missing, I don't know, maybe I missed it, was like the, they always have like a cool name of a, a, the Gotham team, like the Gotham Knights or, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a, a uh. fake name, which I always like. Um, and then, um, so that was pretty cool. And this one, to me, was kind of setting up a little bit for the series that would spin out of Nightfall. I think there was like Night Quest, mm-hmm. The Search and Night Quest, you know. Um, so this, to me, was like a little bit of a, a setup um issue but still the watching john paul kind of go over the edge um was pretty cool and then it kind of brings you back to think about well bruce to walk that edge all the time and not i mean it, it, it would be so easy if you had that power and strength like he had and had some like scumbag villain who you know was like guilty of all these crimes to just drop him on the field or you know and for him to kind of know where the line is and not cross it um you can just see how it, it, it takes a someone a great man like Bruce Wayne to do it and someone like John Paul is just not going to to be able to cut it. And then as Tim said, where is Dick Grayson? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Tim, what were your thoughts on this uh issue? Yeah, I really liked it too. And man, it just makes you think like all the stuff Tim has to go through. I mean, dealing with you know, just being Robin and keeping that a secret from his dad and then Bruce is getting his back broken, dealing with Dane and the crime that's now uh, going uh, rampant through Gotham at this moment. That's enough to deal with. But now you throw in Jean-Paul Valley acting crazy as Batman. and That's another uh, stress he has to worry about, keeping him in check and make sure he's not going to go over the line. So that this issue did a great job you know, establishing that. And like you said, the inner monologue that Tim gave throughout the issue really drilled that home. And especially at the end, too, uh, where they're both fighting – the, those thugs when they're going to get that mob boss Tony and Tim even said that you alluded to it Rob where he goes like if he's not watching his own back then he's definitely not watching mine <laughs> and you know that's something that every Robin that Batman works with that's so important to know like your partners you know working together as a team in a fight to have their back when someone's in trouble you know instantly to go help them out and that dynamic is so important in the Batman robin relationships during a fight and the fact that john paul valley is just ignoring that i mean that's got to be uh, this 
it's so annoying for Tim, to, like in this moment, like, huh, this guy he can't do anything. <laughs> like, that's supposed to be doing anything he should be doing as Batman. And then a quick little side note about that Bob Boss Tony. I wonder if this is a little jab at Marvel because his name's Tony, and I think uh, John Paul Val-, Val even says that you were an Iron Man yeah. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> like, oh. and, uh, he doesn't look exactly like Tony Stark, but he does have a short haircut and a little mustache. But <laughs> I don't know, it's too coincidental for a Bob Boss to be named what, Tough Tony and then they reference him as an Iron Man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little funny. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, overall, just a great issue, I thought. I mean, reading it again, like I said, I haven't read these in years. It's just reaffirming how much I love this Nightfall story. So it was good to go back and check it out. Very cool. That's going to bring us to the end of this. Um, I'm torn with the direction I want to go. Terrence had brought something to my attention that I thought I had almost all the Tim Drake comics. There are two showcases, Showcase 93, it's Showcase Issue 5 and Showcase Issue 6, that uh, was published right around this particular time. I'm torn with taking a break from Nightfall and going into this, or wrapping up this portion of Nightfall uh, with Batman 499 and Batman 500, which is another big issue and then going into the showcase, so I may have to talk uh, to both of you guys probably off camera or off mic uh, to see what direction to go. If this is something that you would want to do again, uh, Tim, we would love to have you back on whenever your schedule permits it. I was trying to figure out the best flow to get to these two uh, showcase issues, but uh, that's pretty much going to wrap it up today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, Tim, I want you to plug uh, where the good people out there can uh, get a hold of you if they uh, choose to hear some other stuff that you've got going on. Yeah, if anyone just wants to follow my uh, personal account on Twitter, it's uh, TimG311. I'm on there all the time talking about a bunch of geeky stuff. Right now, it's a lot of Batman v Superman because, man, I am so pumped for that movie. So I'm also currently doing a rerush of Batman the Animated Series, so I usually tweet about all the episodes I'm watching, which has been really fun, and interacting with other people, <laughs> but talking about the different episodes, so that's been really cool. And then if you want to follow the Batfans uh, podcast at, on Twitter, it's at Batfans Podcast, and also on Facebook. And then if uh, any Star Wars fans listening to the podcast, you can check uh, my Star Wars podcast at uh, Star Wars The Saga Continues on Twitter at Star Wars TSC and StarWarsTSC.com. So that's where you can find me. And uh, Terrence, we can find you here. Anything else you want to plug? Anything at all? No, not particularly, but uh, definitely check out uh, Tim's uh, Batfans podcast, which, you know, unfortunately we couldn't do anymore because of the, the time issue with the East Coast, West Coast and everything. But um, it's pretty funny. Him and uh, Dane always have, you know, uh, some some good laughs and some good Batman conversation. And the Star Wars podcast is pretty awesome, too. So, yeah, check out Tim's stuff. I I just like to hear Dane try and put you in a corner. Okay, if you can <laughs> yeah. only watch one movie, and it's Batman versus Superman or Star Wars, which you choose? You can only choose one, and it, like, <laughs> yeah. and you just go, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I know, even hearing you say that right now, Rob, is like, no, don't make me make that choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Terrence had an idea that uh, I really kind of like to do. With this being everyone loves the Drake um, you know, we're going to be focusing here, you know, on Tim here very shortly in his solo series. But like everybody, there's a big movie uh, that is going to be coming up where uh, I'm probably just going to devote an entire podcast to that movie. And Terrence had a really cool idea 
of maybe getting uh, some reactions from both he and I of like our immediate reactions right after we see the movie. Um, I even had an idea of like, maybe we'll rush home. We'll hop on the podcast real quick and talk, or we'll send each other files and I can kind of compile them together. So that's kind of what I'm thinking, uh, might be in the next podcast, or I might include it with, uh, the next, uh, podcast depending on what which issues we choose here so there'll be more on that later again check the twitter account at eltd and uh, you can email us here at robin eltd podcast and on the behalf of tim and terrence this is rob thanks for tuning into the batman universe and listening to robin everyone loves the drake we'll see you guys later bye Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, the Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care. To find your way back home As sure as the sun will rise again It's a wonderful life If you try Now